0: You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. If you were going to introduce me to a friend or family member, how would you introduce me? Most likely, you would say, this is Pastor Daniel, right? Or, if you're trying to be really respectful, you say, this is Pastor Edwards, right? I prefer Pastor Daniel, it's just how I have become known, Um, that's probably how you'd introduce me. You probably would not introduce me as, hey, this is Daniel, he's a Red Sox fan, right? Because while that's true of me, it's not typically pertinent. And even if you were introducing me to another Red Sox fan, you would probably still introduce me first as Pastor Daniel, and by the way, he's a Red Sox fan too, because you would start with the most important thing, right? If you were going to introduce your spouse, and guys, here's just a tip, (laughs) if you're ever going to introduce your wife, always say, this is my wife, Nicole. Don't say, hey, this is Nicole. She likes to bake, right? Say, this is my wife. Because you need to lead with the most important thing. You need to lead with the most important context or relationship. And when John introduces us to his best friend, Jesus, that's what he does. He starts with the most important thing. He starts with what we really need to know about Jesus to understand where he's going to go through all 21 chapters of this letter, this book, this record of Jesus' life. And so he starts by introducing Jesus, not as a good man, not as a great teacher, He starts by introducing Jesus as God. And he does this in a very interesting way. So look with me at John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning. Now does that sound familiar to you? Does this beginning of this book, the way that he opens up this book, the first three words of this book, does it sound familiar to you? If you've ever said, I'm going to read the Bible, and you've started in the very beginning... And you've read page 1 of the Bible in Genesis one. You know that this is how the Bible starts itself. That when we have the record of creation, the record of everything coming into existence, it starts with, in the beginning, God. And so, in the beginning, before there was anything, there was God. And when John starts his message about his friend Jesus, he starts the same way that we have the record of creation, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And John uses this title for Jesus because he is wanting us to see that Jesus is the expression of who God is. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and you just clam up? And they say, are you just going to sit there and say nothing? Right? They want you to say something. Oh, speak up, right? Because they can't read what you're thinking. But if you'll speak up, if you'll express yourself, they can understand or they can try to or they can begin to understand what it is that you're thinking. And when Jesus came, He was the expression of God in a way that we could see and touch and hear and experience. John would write a letter later on and he would say, I'm writing to you about things that we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears and even handled with our own hands. Jesus was the expression of God. But John doesn't want us to think that he is just the expression of God, that he is just the projection of God. He wants us to know that he is God. And so he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. And then he says, the same was in the beginning with God. So he tells us he was with God, and he was God, and he was in the beginning with God. What's he trying to tell us? John wants us to see that Jesus is the expression of God, that he is God, but he is distinct or separate from God. And Tim Mackie has said this best in saying he wants us to know that Jesus is divine, that he is God, but he's also distinct from God. See, well, how does that work? I don't really understand it. It's, it's beyond comprehension. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. But John wants us to very simply get a hold of the fact that when Jesus came, he was not just a man. He was God, but he is also distinct from God. And there are several instances where John is sure to tell us about God the Father speaks and God the Son replies or responds to him. And God is not having a conversation with himself. He's not answering the voices in his head. He's having a conversation between the distinct persons of the Godhead. And so John wants us to know he is distinct from God, but he is God. And so the next verse in John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, all things were made by him. All things were made by him. It wasn't like he was assisting. Okay? It wasn't that, that he, was, he was just there to see it happen. Right? There, my father worked for Delta Airlines. He moonlighted building decks. And there are some decks in the Nashville, Tennessee area that I could go and I'd say, my dad and I built that. And really all I did was hold the ladder. Okay? All I did was go get the drill or the hammer from the truck. He built it. I was just kind of there. That wasn't the role that Jesus had when God created the world. He was fully involved. Nothing was made without him. He was a part of all that God was doing. He is God. He's creator. Now, I can see that I'm losing some of you. I'm like, okay, well, are, you gonna, are you just going to talk to us and lecture us? I heard a minister say one time, he said, I love flowers, but I hate botany. And what he was saying was, he was saying, I love to look at a flower, but the science behind it, I'm not really interested in that. And he said, and similarly, I love religion, I love church, but I hate theology. Now, I, I totally get that sentiment. right? I totally get that if we get too into the weeds here, and we get too deep into this, I'm going to lose you, you're not going to be able to track, you're not going to appreciate the beauty of what you see. Okay? And this is not a theology lecture. This is going to be a series of sermons, not a theology book. Okay. But there's some theology here that we have to grasp. Just as a gardener knows some botany, even though he may not have gone to a class, or he may not have gotten a degree in science, he knows some botany because he knows what needs to happen for the garden to bloom and to produce these beautiful flowers, And there's some truth here in the scripture that we need to grasp. And when we grasp it, it'll bloom in our lives and show us how beautiful the thing is that God has done for us. And John immediately gives us an application here in the very next verse. All right, So he's told us he is the word, he is the expression of God. Nothing was made without him. He was present at creation. Verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life. If you were here last week, you know that we talked about John said that the whole purpose of his gospel, the whole purpose of his book was to write so that we might believe and that by believing we might have life. And we said that John wasn't writing so that we could have a heart that kept beating or lungs that kept breathing, but rather so that we might have the substance of life, the very substance that God wants us to have what life was intended for, what life was meant for. And when we use this word life, we're not saying life as in my heart is still beating, but we're using it when we say, what is the meaning of life? Why does all of this matter? Why am I here? What am I here for? And in Jesus was this life that we all desperately crave and need and lack. And of course it was, because he created life. Right, He he was the maker of life. He spoke life into existence. If anyone was going to come bearing this life, it is the one who breathed the first breath of life into the nostrils of man that took him from the dust and made him a living soul. In him was life because he's the creator of life. We're here because of him. And so John says, let me introduce you to my friend who is the creator of all that we see. And in him is life, and that life is a light unto all men. But there's a problem. (laughs) Verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or understood it not. Jesus showed up, and in him is this life, and in him is this light, and darkness didn't understand it, didn't comprehend it. Jesus shows up in this life that he has come to offer us. We don't grasp it. We don't get it. And this is a problem because where does John want to get us to? John wants to get us to the place where we are believing, and believing we have life, but we cannot believe if we do not know. If You skip down to verse 10. John explains this a little more. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. John is saying, do you get the irony of this situation? Jesus created the world, he comes into the world, and the world doesn't know him. It doesn't recognize him. It doesn't get it. So the very next verse, verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. And if you're here today and you have not entered into a relationship with Jesus, you need to know that John is writing about you. That Jesus came, the purveyor, creator, sustainer of life. He came and we didn't comprehend him. You didn't understand. You haven't received him and you're missing out on this life. Remember, John told us he has written these things so we might believe in believing we have life, but we can't believe if we don't know and we don't understand. And John's saying the problem here is that Jesus has showed up, he has come, but you didn't understand it. You don't comprehend him. You didn't see him. You didn't recognize him. You've missed it. You've missed it. Here at Faith Church, we want everyone to follow Jesus, grow in a group, and serve on a team that's something that we want everybody to be involved in follow Jesus grow in a group and serve on a team and those are the things that we cover in growth track and in the very first section of growth track I talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus and I explain that you can't really follow Jesus you won't really follow Jesus if you don't trust Jesus if you don't believe that Jesus can take you where you need to go If you don't believe that Jesus knows what it is you're facing, that he knows what is best for your life, you're not going to follow him because you don't trust him. So how do you come to trust Jesus? Well, I believe that the very best way to come to trust Jesus is to come to love Jesus. And as you come to love Jesus and appreciate him and the work that he has done for you and the sacrifice that he made for you, then you'll be ready to trust him. And if you trust him, you will follow him. So how do you fall in love with Jesus? It was probably pretty similar to the way that you fell in love with the person that you love. You got to know them. And so if you will come to know Jesus, I think that you'll fall in love with Jesus. And if you love Jesus, I think that you'll trust Jesus. And if you know Jesus, love Jesus, trust Jesus, I think that you'll be compelled to follow Jesus. That you'll want to be with him. Right? Right? That's similar to the relationships that you have. You get to know someone and you begin to adore them and appreciate them and perhaps you even come to love them and you trust them and so you want to walk with them and you want to be with them. And some of you, you know that you should follow Jesus, but you're not. And you don't really know why. And I would say it's you're not following Him because you don't trust Him. And you don't trust Him because you haven't fallen in love with Him. And you haven't fallen in love with him because you don't really know him. But I think if you get to know him, you'll end up following him. John's gospel is all about Jesus. It's getting us to know Jesus so that we might come to believe. And here in the very beginning, John gives us this very compelling reason why we should believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus. He made us. You should trust in Jesus because he's the one that made you. You are here because of Jesus. If there's anyone that understands what's messed up about you, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who can untangle the mess that is your heart, it's Jesus, because He created you. Everything in this world exists because He spoke it into existence. He's not investigated you, He's not done some research on you. He was here before you, He caused you to exist. He's the Creator. And so if anybody can untangle the mess of your heart and life and untangle the brokenness of your emotions it is Jesus. It's him. Paul would write about Jesus saying that for by him were all things created that are in heaven and earth visible and invisible. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that not only did God create everything, it's only by His grace and mercy that it continues to exist, that it continues to be here. Only because of His creation and His sustaining is it here. And so I think that if the God who created the world and created man and woman and created the first couple and created husband and wife and children and families, I think that whatever it is that might be broken in your situation, whatever it is that might be broken in your heart, whatever it is that might be broken in your relationships or in your finances, whatever it is, He knows about it. And He can help with it. Unfortunately, though, people only come seeking His advice when we get into certain areas right, when we deal with things like death, right, when we've tried everything else, right? People call me like, Pastor Daniel, I've I've tried everything else. I'm like, well, I'm glad that you finally have decided to call me now that you've tried everything else in the world. I appreciate that I'm so high on your list. I was down at the very bottom. Jesus knows. knows. He knows better than anyone. So what's John telling us? John is telling us, there's anybody you should trust. It's Jesus. John wanted them to be really clear on the fact that Jesus wasn't simply a good teacher. Here's the thing. Even if you find a really good teacher, or you find a really good counselor, or you find a person that you just trust their advice, they're going to be wrong at some point. There's going to be some situation in life that they have they have no idea how to handle because they've never been through it. That never happens with Jesus. Never. He created it all. And so if we look back a few verses at verse 6, we see that John actually gives us a contrast here. He's telling us Jesus was not a man. He is God. He says, now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Jesus is not a man sent from God. Jesus is God as a man. Now, there was a man that was sent from God, and his name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist, and we'll look at him more next week, later in this chapter. There was a man who was sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. John was the man sent by God. All he could do was point at the light. That's all he could do. Can I tell you that the the, the only thing that the very best teacher can do is point to the light? point to the light. That's all John could do. He came to bear witness of the light, but Jesus is the light. Bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. And John says, okay, just in case you're not getting me. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't God. He wasn't divine. He was a man sent by God. And a man sent by God, all he can do is point to God. That's it. All I can do for you today is point you to Jesus. I can't fix your problems. I know a guy who can. I know a guy who can make all the difference in the world. I can point to the light. I can point to the life, but it's not in me. It's not in me, it's in Jesus. Man, I I love verse 9. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Do you you know I can only be in one place at once? Do you know that? Can only talk to a couple people at one time? Jesus, be the light to everyone. Be the light to everyone. Some of you moms, you know what it's like. You, try to, you need to be there for all of your kids, right? They all need a piece of you. Some of you dads, you know what it's like you need to be at work and at the ball field and at home mowing the grass because it's so long and it just keeps raining all of the time. You can't be in all those places at once, right? You can't be all of those things. Jesus was the light that lights every man, to every person. Jesus is that light for us. For every one of us. He can be that for all of us. But I know what you're thinking. Well, not me, though. Because my situation is really bad. Not me, because, I mean, I've really messed it up. Like, like you've probably never heard a story as bad as mine, but it's bad. Try me. Try me. This verse says, The light that lighteth... Every man that cometh into the world. Are you a person in the world? Then Jesus can work in your life. You are not beyond hope. You're not beyond hope. You say, Pastor, I've tried. I've tried to turn my life around. I have tried to to, to be different. I've tried, but I just can't. I know you can't. I know you can't. But Jesus came so that we all might believe and believing we might have life in his name. Some of you think this is for other people. Some of you think this is, this, Pastor, this is great for people that it helps, but it it, it can't help me because I'm just, I'm too messed up. I really want you to get a hold of verse 12, okay? Like, You don't have a Bible, you grab one of those Gospels of John on your way out, and you underline it, you write it on something, you get to know John chapter 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You know what that says? That says that if we believe in him, if we receive him, that he will give us the power to become the sons of God. The King James Version says power, like God will empower us to finally become a part of the family of God. The New American Standard Version says that he will give us the authority. He'll give us the right. And some of you feel like, Pastor Daniel, this isn't for me because I don't have any right to be a part of the family of God. And you're totally correct. You have no right. But Jesus has come to win you the right. Jesus has come to earn you the right. Jesus has come so that you might have the right that you don't deserve. He made it possible. We had no right, but he made it possible. And that's what John is going to tell us all about. He tells us in the beginning here, God made us. And then he tells us how he has made it possible for us to be in the family of God. When I was a boy, when my mom would pick me up from school, there was the children's Bible hour on this Bible Christian radio station. And during that that children's Bible hour, there would be the captain's story time. And I used to get so frustrated when I would like we would come out to in the line to get picked up, and I saw my mom was like way back in the line, because I knew I was gonna miss a part of Captain his story time. Right? I don't know why it started like right at three and I didn't get out of school till three oh five. I just it did not, I could not fathom why the captain didn't start his story eight minutes later so I could hear the beginning of it. And I love on the way home from school, we would listen to the captain's story time. And I remember he tells the story of a boy who His father's a craftsman, he's a woodworker, and so together this boy and his father, they make a boat, they make a sailboat, and it was was intricate, and they painted it, and it was nice, and it could float, and so he would take it, he would take the sailboat that he and his father had made, and he would take it out and play with it, and when the wind was right, there was this kind of small pond near his house, and he could place it on one side, and the wind would actually catch the sail and take it over to the other side. And he would run around the pond, and he'd get it, and he'd do it again and again and again. Well, One day he did this, and the wind just changed directions unexpectedly. And it blew his boat over into this area where there was kind of a marsh, kind of bushes that were laying out into the pond. And so he lost sight of it. He ran over there, and he crawled back in there, and he couldn't find it. And he looked, and he looked, and he, he couldn't find it anywhere. It started to get dark, and he, he knew that he had to go home. He'd be in trouble if he didn't, but he didn't want to leave his boat. And finally, he just had to give up. He'd lost his boat. He was heartbroken. It's he heartbroken that he'd lost this sailboat, that he had worked together with his father on, that they had put so much effort into, that he had all these great memories with, and now it was lost. One day he's walking home from school. The captain tells a story that he's walking from school, and there in the window of a thrift shop is his boat. And it's all beaten up. It's either been left out or somebody else has taken it and played with it, and then when they didn't want it anymore, discarded it, and now it's for sale at thrift store. And he's simultaneously heartbroken that it is so beaten up, but excited that he's found it. And so he runs into the store, and he asks, how much is it? And it's more money than he has. So he goes home and begins to work for his parents and his grandparents and to mow the grass over at the neighbor's. And he finally, through hard work, earns enough money that he can go back and he can buy the boat. And he goes into the store and he buys the boat. And he begins to repaint it and to fix what's broken in it. And at the end of the story, the captain says, And boys and girls, Jesus not only made you, but he bought you back. He bought you back. And that's what Jesus did when he came. He made us. But because of our sin and our shame and our guilt, because we had been used and abused by this world, because we had been broken down, because we were covered with so much dirt and shame and guilt, we had no right to be a part of the family of God. We'd been lost. But Jesus came as our creator and lived a life of sacrifice, ex- experienced the pain of the cross, so that he could buy us back. And when we read the book of John, we see that God as our creator is worthy of our trust. But when we see that God is our Savior, that compels us to love. And what John tells us here in John 1:12 As many as received him to them gave he the right or the power to them he bought the right he gave the opportunity he gave the chance to become the sons of God And when I look at my life I don't I don't I don't really feel like that sailboat that somebody put a lot of time and effort into I feel like the one that's been lost and has been left out in the rain. But he bought, he bought me back and began to work in my heart. That's what Jesus did for us. I remember hearing that story. And as the story's being told, that he, he's lost it and he's heartbroken. And then he, he finds it and he starts to work for it. The captain's telling me stories of all this hard work he has to do, mowing the grass. I just looked at my mom, and I said, why doesn't he just make a new one? I mean, he made that one. He could make a new one. And my mom said, he loves that one. He's got memories of that one. God could have just, I'm just going to start over. But he rescued us and bought us back. That's what He did for us. And so John chapter 1 is, God is our creator. He, he is the one who made all things. We, we were made by Him. We, we have reason that we should trust Him. And as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to be the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And Some of you, you're still not, you're still not believing that it's possible, so I want you to look at verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Especially, I just can't do it. I can't be a Christian. I, I, I just can't become a follower of Jesus. It's, that's not how I was made. I didn't grow up in church. I, I, I've done a lot of bad things. It's in my nature to do the wrong thing. These people that believed in Jesus, they became sons of God, not by blood, not because they were born into the right family. Not because they were, they were royalty. Not because their father was a pastor and their grandfather was a pastor and their great-grandmother was a nun. No, not by blood. Not by the will of the flesh. Not because they just decided, I'm going to do right, I'm going to live right, and I'm never going to make a mistake again. I'm going to keep all the... Not by the will of the flesh. Not because they decided they were going to be perfect. Not by the will of man. Not because some man granted it to them. Not because some man decided some person standing behind a pulpit or standing behind a desk stamped some form or said, finally you're worthy or you've, you've rec- finished all of the prerequisites and you can be in the family of God. Not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but by who? But of God. And if the God who created the universe, he didn't create the universe, he create you, he can recreate your heart, and recreate your life, and recreate what is broken, and make it new. John says, I've written this so that you might believe, and that believing you might have life, but you can't believe if you don't know. You can't receive what you don't know, and so John's written this so you can know, so now you just need to receive. Um, this past week, we, uh, we posted a graphic on our church Facebook page. Which would you rather live without? TV, internet, or phone? And I'll be honest with you, I would really like to get rid of my phone. Because I receive phone calls all the time from people who don't know me. And they're trying to sell me something. You probably get this, right? And they, they even have local phone numbers. They're pretending to be someone nearby. They're pretending to have someone with the same prefix, area code as me. But I don't know them. I'll be honest. I've gotten to the place that if your phone number is not in my phone, when my phone rings, if I don't know who it is, I will not answer it. I'm not going to receive it if I don't know you. Now, if you're in my phone, and I religiously put people on my phone so that when they call, I recognize who it is. I know who you are but maybe I still won't answer it, right? Because <laughs> just because I know who you are doesn't mean that I have to answer, right? I still get to choose if I'm going to accept. I can choose if I'm going to accept. And just knowing who Jesus is isn't the same as receiving Him. You've got to accept that call. You've got to accept that invitation. You've got to accept Him into your life. And some of you know about God and you know about the Bible, but you've never accepted him into your life. And there's something that's broken down here. You must not really understand him because if you did, I think you'd love him. And if you did, you'd trust him. And if you trust him, you'd follow him. And wherever you're at in that journey, I believe that you'll track with me in the Gospel of John. You'll get to know him, really know him, and love him, and trust Him, and follow Him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.